Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Well, hey, Liverpool One Church. It's absolutely amazing to see everyone here today. And uh, let's just say a great big hello to everyone joining us online at home as well. They're typically the ones who we are perhaps a little bit jealous of because they get to watch in their pyjamas munching on a bowl of Golden Grahams and don't think we don't know what you're doing. I'm probably sure my age there with the Golden Grahams, but, but seriously, we love our online church family and we can't wait maybe for the day when you get to join us in the room as well. And let me also say hello to anyone who's joining us, either watching or in the room for the very first time today. Like, we want you to know that if you are a first time guest in church, this whole thing, this is for you. Like, we've built this thing for you. We've designed it for you. You're so welcome. We've prayed for you. You're so, you're so like, expected here. And we want you to know that we are excited to have you with us and we want you to enjoy church today because church ought to be fun and we want you to have a great time while you're here. You know, last week we started this current series of talks which we've simply called About Every One. And if you missed it, it's written in huge letters on a massive sign just outside the door to the back of this room. Because as a church, we want to strive to be a place that's about everyone. Because when we read the Bible and when I read about the stories of Jesus and read what Jesus did, all I read and all I see is that everything about his life and all the decisions that he made and all the places that he went, he was all about people. He loved, accepted, valued and and saved and served people. Every person, whether they knew him or whether they didn't. And if it's something that's important to Jesus, then it's something that's pretty important to us as well. So we're going to get into the message in just a second, but let me just say this. So a few years ago, my wife and I got, excited, got, got invited to a party, and uh, one of the things that they'd done at this party was that they'd uh, organised a bouncy castle for the children, because the children need something to entertain them. And the guy that left the bouncy castle behind, he said um, he was very explicit with his instructions. He said, now this bouncy castle is for children only. It's forbidden for any adults to go on the bouncy castle. It's a child's bouncy castle. We all agreed and he left. Well, a few minutes after he'd gone and before the majority of the guests had arrived to the party, I decided that I wanted to go on the bouncy castle because I love a good bouncy castle. And this was a frozen one. I mean, it's got pictures of like Elsa and Anna and Olaf all over it. Hello, parents. And um, I was like, I am going to have such a great time on this bouncy castle. So I'm on there and I'm doing my thing. I'm just enjoying myself for a couple of minutes. And my six-year-old nephew comes along and he jumps on as well. And we start having some fun and we're jumping around the place and I'm throwing him over and we're having a great time. Well, who knows that when two boys get left alone to have some fun, even if one of them should be a responsible adult, that things just start to unravel and things come undone and it happens quick. So we decide that no longer are we happy to just bounce up and down on this thing, but what we decide is that we want to do like some stuff, some tricks. So we stand kind of opposite each other, facing each other, he's slightly to one side. And what we decide is that we want to both do a forward somersault at the same time, because that sounds pretty cool. So we have a quick go and we're like thinking, okay, so you're going to go this way, I'm going to go that way. Then we realize 
that we won't be able to see each other when we're in the air together. So we get my sister to come and stand at the side and he's like, mommy, mommy, film me. And she's going, all right, well, I'm ready, I'm ready. So we count and the most important thing is that we take off together. We need to be in the air together. So we count three, two, one. Now I should mention that he's six years old, okay? So he takes off just a fraction of a second sooner than I did which caused the bouncy castle to move away from my feet at exactly the point that I was due to push off. So I couldn't push off. So my upwards momentum turned into downwards momentum and I landed on the back of my neck. And this is the picture that my sister took that day. Let's have that picture up. So that's what she, that's what happened. Now, in case you're wondering, My head doesn't normally reach my thighs. That's not a level of flexibility that this body's been blessed with. My head does never reach my thighs. There was just one almighty crack. There was one almighty wrenching noise and it just caused so much damage. It was like ages until my neck and my shoulders and my back and everything else was all fixed again. But the truth of it was, I never should have been there to begin with. I never, it was a position I never should have been in. He said it was for children. I shouldn't have been on there. And I just never should have been there. But I bet it's not just me that said that sentence, right? I bet there's maybe been times and seasons in most of our lives where we've said about where we found ourselves, I just shouldn't be here. Like this is nothing that should have happened to me. Because I think the reality of it is, is that we've all got our own, I shouldn't be here moment going on. And I'm no different to you because I've got my very own, I shouldn't be here thing going on. And what I want to do today on the second week of our About Everyone series is I want to go on a bit of a journey together. I want to tell you some of my story um, because the Bible tells us that in Revelation 12, 11, it's with two things that we overcome the enemy, the, the devil, you know, Satan, whatever you want to call him. It's with two things that we overcome him. The first thing is by the blood of the lamb. That's the blood that came out of Jesus when he was crucified on the cross. And the second thing is by the power of our testimony, by the word of our testimony, by our story. So I want to share my story today because that verse says that there's power in that. That verse, it tells us that there's power in it. And if we have some risks and have some courage and care about someone enough to say, like, I don't have all the answers and I didn't go to preacher school and I'm not qualified to do this. But if I can just tell you what God's done to me and how God's helped me, that verse tells us that there's power in that. And my prayer today, as we go through this story and I just take, we go through this journey together, is that as I share my story, that God would apply it and help apply it to your story. And that's how this works because I need your story as much as you need mine. And there's someone in your work that needs your story. And there's someone in your family that needs your story. And there's someone in your university who needs your story. And I feel like this About Everyone series is a great place to look at some of this stuff. Because when I look at the backdrop of my life and some of the decisions that I've made and some of the choices that I've made in my days, if there's one place I simply should not be, it's in church. Fix your eyes on the screen. 
I grew up in Liverpool in a happy home in this house just behind me. And we lived here for many of my childhood years. All the way through my childhood, I was taken to church and I never really found my fit. I never really enjoyed it. It wasn't really anything that I found relevant. So as soon as I could, I made the decision to stop attending. I just walked away. About the age of 17, I completely mentally checked out and I was out of there. And I remember thinking, I will never ever have to go to church again. I was so happy. Over the following years, I ended up working in a succession of hotels and restaurants and bars and eventually ended up managing a really busy night spot, like a bustling bar slash club. And I just felt like I was doing amazing. What I'd actually done though, was chosen a path which was really destructive for me. I'd got in with the wrong sorts of people who were doing the wrong sorts of things and it was just never gonna end well. But the difficulty was it satisfied something inside me because I was angry and I was searching for something, anything to try and make me happy. That whole time, I was heavily into the gym. I was boxing, I was taking steroids, I was, I was fighting, I was just absolutely out of control. And then I started to take extra hours at another couple of clubs working on the doors, which again put me in just with the wrong crowd. I always drank, but then I started to like recreationally use drugs as well. I just felt like my life was just spiraling. You know, that whole time, all the way through this, I was trying to get with girls, I was just living this in incredibly insane lifestyle, but I was convinced all the way through that this was the best thing for me. I was convinced it was making me happy. I remember thinking to myself, there's never gonna be a time in my life when I don't wanna go out, but like everything that's opposite to God's will for your life, that stuff is all great fun for a season, but then it ends up costing you in the long run. And it wasn't just one thing anymore. It wasn't just one habit. It was a whole load of habits that ended up building this picture that I was just so unhappy. And I'd surrounded myself with people I realized who were just like me. They were angry, they were searching. So what they would do is they do the same things as I did. They just make themselves drunk and they just go out and all we all wanted to do was party all the time to mask who we really were. I always knew the difference between right and wrong because I was taken to church as a kid. But then somewhere deep down, I always knew what was good and what was bad. But then I realized this person who I was was just unhappy until I realized I didn't actually even know who I was. I'd argue with my family and all they'd ever done was love me. I'd fall out with people wherever I'd go who really didn't deserve it. I was rude, I was disrespectful, I was violent, I was angry. I was just so messed up. I got to such a low place, I just didn't know how to get out of where it was that I ended up in. By this stage, I'm mid-twenties, working as a salesman in a new car showroom. And my boss, the director, was a churchgoer. So this one day, he's got a friend in his office with him, and he invites me up to his office, and he introduces me to this bloke, and he says, Dave, meet Dave. He says, Dave's looking for a church. And I'm like, son of a, what? Hang on a second, what? But in the room, to his face, I was like, oh, well, you know, not really. Trying to be polite because that's what you do when it's your MD. So I shake the guy's hand and we get to talking. And he just sort of starts to be quite normal and quite chatty and talking about what's going on in my day. And he just seemed like a normal guy. And then he says this thing, he says, um, 
tomorrow at the church I go to, we're having a breakfast morning, which is basically where we don't have a church service. We just have some food and we all just gather around and it's all free and you don't need to pay for anything. And somebody would get up on the stage and they would give their life story. The whole thing was free of charge and he just said, look, if you fancy it, I'd love to invite you. The whole time I'm aware that I'm in front of my director and this is his friend. So I agree and we swap numbers and we leave the office and no more gets said and I completely forget about our whole conversation. I'm on my way out that Saturday night to go out drinking and uh, my phone goes and it's an unknown number. So I just answer this call and I said, I said, hello. He says, oh, hi, Dave. It's Dave from earlier on today. Are you still okay for tomorrow morning? So I'm like, yes. Yeah, that'll be fine, no problem. Which loosely translates to don't ever call me again, you've completely ruined my life and you've ruined my night out. But I, I agreed and I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. He said, I'll be outside at 9am. So I'm like, excellent, that's great news. So I was waiting for him at 9am the following morning, which was Sunday. So at 9am sharp, Dave turns up at the end of my driveway and I leave the house dressed in my Armani t-shirt, my Versace jeans, because that's how I assume you dress for a church these days, the same as you were for a Saturday night out. Reeking of stale alcohol, I'm probably still carrying some traces of barbecue chicken kebab from Bold Street at 2 a.m. the previous night, because he totally ruined my night out. So I get in his car, aware that I must be stinking, and, uh, and we set off. We arrive at the church, and I get out and I'm so nervous and I don't really know what to do with myself. And I'm like eyeballing everyone, just like, yeah, and what? You know, and what? Acting all tough, acting like I know what's going on. I know the score here. You can all stay away from me. I started to think about that experience this week. And I remember thinking, how many people that day would have walked past me and thought, he doesn't belong here. What's his game? because they all knew how to dress and they all knew how to act and they all knew how to speak and they all knew how to be in that environment. But I was so aware, I just didn't fit in. And I remember thinking just this week, how many of them would have walked past me and gone, who is that guy? Like, what's he doing here? So there I am in this room and I become aware, I start to think about things about myself that I'm not usually aware of. Like, <laughs> bet you I'm the only one here who smells of stale alcohol. And I start to look around and I start scanning the room and I end up thinking, all these people look pretty happy and pretty smiley. And I remember thinking, if these people knew who I was and if these people knew what I'd been doing and the way I live, would I really have been getting all those hellos and handshakes out there in the foyer? Would that really have been such a welcoming experience for me? And I was 100% convinced that the answer to that question was no. And I started to think if they knew the kind of person I was and the kind of life I live and the things I've said, even about God, and even the fact that I heard about heaven and hell when I was a kid, but walked away from it. If they knew that, would they really want me here? Because I'm not good like the rest of these people. And I think it's really interesting because I'm not entirely convinced that that is just a first-time person point of view or a first-time person problem. Because how many of us have been in church for a long time, had a relationship with God for a long, long time, and still now 
would be sitting there watching this or tuning in, listening to this, thinking there's people along the road from me or there's people who I know in my life or there's really good people who are around you who love God and worship God and are faith-filled and don't have habits and don't have issues and don't deal with doubts and don't have the things going on that I have. And if they all knew me, would they really want me here? And I think that's why we have to constantly remind ourselves that church isn't somewhere you come to get judged. It's not like a court, it's a hospital for people who are broken and who need help. Because we're all broken, just in different ways, and no one's perfect. Because the truth is, we're all broken people and we need God to help us. But so often we sit in an environment like church and all we can think about is if they knew who I really was, they would never want me here. You ever feel like that? You ever, you ever have that? Like, I'm not convinced this is a first time to church thing. I'm not convinced that's a first time to church problem. Like, I can't tell you how many times years into my walk with God, I've sat in a room like this or in a church service somewhere and struggled with exactly that thought that if these people really knew how messed up I was, if they really knew my thought patterns, if they really knew who I really was, would they really want me here? Like, would they look at me and feel about me the same way? And I'm not convinced that that is just a first time to church thing. Because John, John 10 verse 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. So, so what we know is that today we're here or we're watching this or we're listening to this and we're doing that on purpose. So, so what are you going to do if you want to steal, kill or destroy that? Well, you want to start to whisper lies in people's ears like, you're not good enough. They don't really like you. You don't fit in. You don't have any friends there. They don't value you. You're too broken. You're too messed up. If they knew what was really going on about you, they'd never want to talk to you. You want to whisper lies like that. And what we've got to do is we've got to recognise that for what it is. It's a lie from hell. And what we need to say, we need to make a stand and say, no, no, I am a child of God. I am called. I am accepted. I am loved. I am cherished. I am welcome. And this is my home. And I'm not ever going to stop coming. And I'm not going to quit. And I'm not going to give up because this is where I've chosen to plant my life. This is where I belong. And today, no matter how far away you are from God or how big you think your doubts are or how messed up you think your thought life or your actions are, you need to know that in this place, you're wanted, you're welcomed, we're glad that you're here. We're about everyone at this church. So please don't stop coming because we think that God's got an amazing plan for your life and, and you need to get plugged in and you need to get set free and you need to come and be a part of this thing because we are about you. And you know, the really encouraging news for us all today is that we aren't the only ones to struggle with these kind of thoughts. You know, the Bible's full of stories of people who went through these exact types of feelings. And just today, I wanna have a little look, just a case study of one lady in the Bible um, who struggled with that feeling of, I'm just not good enough. I'm just not good enough for this. And if, you, if you've been around church for some time, you'll know her as the Samaritan woman who Jesus met and spoke to at a well. So we're just gonna very quickly jump in and have a little look, starting at John chapter four, uh, and we're starting in, in, in verse four. 
So this is talking about Jesus. Now he had to go through Samaria. He, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, what we just need to press pause there. If God says something, it's, it's important. If it's in the Bible, it's there for a reason. It was about noon. That's there on purpose. That's there for a reason. And we're going to find that out in just a second. Verse seven, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. So we've got this woman, she's arrived at this well to get some water for the washing, the cleaning, the ironing, the cooking, the, all the other stuff that you've got to do. And um, she's got this great big container with her. She's got this big thing for the water and she's arrived at this well and it would have been really heavy for her to carry back to where it was that she lived. Now, a few years ago, a good number of years ago, I had the fortunate opportunity to actually fly out to Uganda uh, to visit one of my sponsored children. And while I was there, we visited a well that's not too dissimilar to what the Bible's talking about here. It was a really, really deep well. And early in the morning, you'd find that people would go to this place and they would take all their containers and they would get all the water that they need from this well. And um, while we were there, we were, we were lucky enough to help them be able to carry some of the water that they collected <clears throat> back to where it was that they lived. And there was no pavement, and it was really, really hard work. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, we're family, right? I just need to clear my throat. So, um, so it's really deep, and uh, I need a new throat and a bucket of water from a well. In fact, could I just have a bottle of water there? I'm really sorry. So, um, so they go to this well, and uh, <laughs> apologies, guys. Bear with. I can have a drink, right? I'm sorry. So they're at this well and our guide says something to me, which really brings this story to life in my, in my, for me. He says, I want you to know how early in the morning this is happening. I want you to take note of that. And I'm like, yeah, bro, I got it. I'm not a morning person, okay? Like I'm there, we're on the same page, all right? Like it's real early. And he just says, uh, you won't see anybody down here at midday. You won't see anyone down here in the afternoon because it's crazy hot in the afternoon. Like the sun comes up and it's just torture in the afternoon. No one's coming down here to get water after the morning. So when we read this story and we see this woman and she's at this well at midday, at noon, I go, something's wrong. Something's going on this story that we need to find out because no one's going down at noon to get water. It's too hot. So to find out what's going on, let's have a little look at this woman. So to get some context, she's had five divorces and she's currently living with a guy who she's not married to. And she's living in an age and a culture which is a deeply religious culture. That's where, the, that's where the backdrop of her life comes from. And I don't mean deeply relig religious in a good way. Like I'm talking, this is crazy religion where what they believe in her culture, it's all about the do's and don'ts. It's all about how well you follow the rules. It's, it's all about, you've got to everyone pretend that they're perfect and cover up all your faults and you do the right thing. You don't do the right thing and don't break the rules because that's how they believed you get to heaven. Well, the difficulty is for this woman, she's broken too many of the rules. So now she's what they call unclean. And they don't only believe that they don't want to be around her because she's unclean, but what they also believe 
is that they can't be near her, physically near her, because what they say is she's so shamed that if they get close to this woman, just by proximity, her shame transfers onto them. So what they're saying is, we don't want you around. Church people don't want you around. God doesn't want you around because you're too broken. So they put these labels on her and they shame her. And all she can think is because they really know me, they don't want me because I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. Now, if you remember in the very first verse that we read, it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. It didn't say he wanted to, and it didn't say he was told to. It said he had to go through Samaria. Now, Jewish people wouldn't typically go through Samaria because Jews didn't like Samaritans and they didn't get on, so Jews would normally go around, but Jesus had to go through Samaria. And I'm not entirely convinced it wasn't because Jesus said, no, no, I've got to go through because there's one of my children there and she's suffering and she's hurting and I don't play these crazy religious games, so I've got to go through. I've got to go and see one of my children. And this woman, she's about to have her mind blown. Like she's about to meet with Jesus and she's about to encounter him and she's about to realise that he doesn't want to guilt me or judge me or punish me but he wants to love me and save me and value me and put value on my life. He's about to change everything for her. So let's go back to the video. Isn't it true how those certain times, certain decisions, certain periods of our lives where we say, it was that moment, that thing, that decision, that changed the course of my entire life. Well, that day in church was that moment for me. So we're sitting there, we finish breakfast, and I'm scanning the room, 100% sure that nobody really wants me there. But then the guy who was gonna tell his story that day comes up onto the platform. And he's kind of a big guy. He clearly goes to the gym, which took me by surprise because he's supposed to be a church person. And he didn't look much like a church person. He just looked, I don't know, normal. So he starts telling everyone his story. And I'm telling you, you can't make this stuff up because his story and my story weren't just the same. They were identical. He'd been to the same sorts of places. He'd done the same sorts of things. It was freaking me out just listening to this guy speak. I was shuffling around in my seat. I was so uncomfortable. I was thinking like the whole thing was just one massive setup. We'd done the same sorts of things with the same sorts of people and we'd come to the same sorts of conclusions. And then I just remember he spoke about how he'd found a real and authentic relationship with Jesus and how it had given him a deep inner peace, like a happiness, a joy, right down deep inside. I remember thinking to myself, that's what it is. That's what I need. Like, that's exactly what this guy who's like me has found this thing. That's exactly what I need. And I talked to him for just a few minutes afterwards and he was really cool. He just kind of said, you know, um, I've got a shoot, but hey, you're gonna be here next week. And before I could even think, I was like, yeah, just blurted out, yeah, I'll come next week. And for the first time that day, I understood what it was to be accepted for just who I was.
And I remember that the days turned into weeks and my weekly visits to church turned into months. And then one Friday night at a youth event, the guy who was talking up at the front, at the end, he just asked this question and said, is there anyone who wants to give their life to Jesus? Would you just put your hand up now and pray this prayer? And my hand shot up so fast and I prayed this prayer and I didn't even know or fully understand what I was doing, but I just knew it was real. I knew it was my moment. In the words of the great philosopher Bono, I'd finally found what I was looking for. And I left that place with this thought going around inside my head that I've got to tell someone what just happened. And, and I'm not kidding, like that was a crazy thought for me because I hadn't done any Bible training. I didn't, I didn't go to preacher school. I didn't know what to do. I didn't even know how that was gonna look, but I just knew I wanted to spend the rest of my life telling people what just happened to me. But even that thought makes no sense. I wasn't prepared. I hadn't studied. I didn't know anything. I hadn't changed the direction of my life. I still reeked of stale alcohol. But what I did know was that one thing that I'd experienced was so game-changing. I had to tell someone about it. They had to know. I wanted them to experience what I just experienced through my story. I just want to highlight two things from that last clip, and then we're just going to close. And the first thing is this. If you don't know Jesus today, then I want to let you know that today's your moment. Like, this is your time. You don't have to leave from this place today not knowing him anymore. And I'm so excited for you. Like this week, my prayer has been for you that you're gonna come in to the best days of your life and I need to let you know, you're not coming home to an angry father who wants to punish you or judge you or do you any kind of wrong or teach you any lessons. You're coming home to an excited dad who can't wait to love you he can't wait to save you. He can't wait to come and live in your heart. He can't wait to bring you into the fullness of the best days that you're ever gonna live. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray that prayer in just a few minutes. But just as we close, I wanna talk to all those of you who are in the room today who already have a relationship with God. I just wanna talk to you for a second because I wanna challenge you to start to share your story because I'm here because somebody else shared their story. It made such a difference in my life and I owe a lot of this to that very first time that someone shared their story with me. And I just wanna challenge you and maybe you would say, you know, that doesn't apply to me. I already share my story and I go, okay, well, that's fine. Then just take this and pass it on to somebody else who it does apply to. But I think if we're not careful, almost by default, we can end up in a place where we get so engrossed in saying, thank you for my story and not enough time saying, can I tell you my story? And of course, God loves it when we do say thank you. Of course, he loves it when we, when we thank him for what he's done but it's in our story, it's in what Jesus did. That's where the power was, right? It, it, it's in our story. And we don't need to say like, I'm gonna argue you to death or I'm gonna beat you with the Bible and make you see my point of view or I'm not gonna shame you with scripture and point out all the things that you've done wrong. 
And I'm not going to pretend that like I've got all the answers either because we don't have all the answers. I'm the same. I've got loads of questions. I've got things that I'm going to be like when I get to heaven. You got to explain yourself. Like, seriously, I've got as many questions as you've got and we don't have all the answers. But you can argue with my theology forever. You can pick apart a lot of things about me forever, but you can't argue away my experience with Jesus. That's one thing that's personable to me and it's one thing that's personal to you and no one can take that away. And that's what happens to this woman too. You know, time's gone for today, but you'll have to read it yourself this week. But I'm I'm just going to paraphrase what happens left in the remainder of this story. She leaves the water jar. She goes back to the town, to the same people that shamed her and told her she was worthless and told her she was an outcast and told her she'd broken too many of the rules. It's these same people that she goes back to and nothing else in her life's changed. She hasn't done like a Bible degree. She hasn't like gone on some course. She hasn't done any other thing. Everything in her life is still exactly the same from when she left the well to go back to the people, except now she's got a story. She's had an experience with Jesus. She's had something happen to her. She's armed and dangerous. And she goes back to these people and she says, look what's happened to me. Let me tell you what's happened to me. And let's look at what happens in verse 39. If we skip right down, we go, many of the Samaritans from that time believed in Him because of the woman's testimony, because of her story. That's what caused them to believe. She opened her mouth, she got some courage and she told her story. And back at the beginning of this message, I said, I shouldn't be here. And I'm right, I shouldn't. But somebody else's story made a massive difference in my life. So my ask is super simple today. Can we start to tell our story? Can we be those people who open our mouths and say, look at what God's done for me. I don't have all the answers and I'm not qualified and I'm a little bit messed up just like you, but look at what God's done in me. Because I believe that if we become those people, I think it'll allow God to change other people and it'll allow God to change us. And I honestly feel that's the case. Liverpool One Church, we won't just be a band of people who have a great big sign on a wall outside a door. It will become part of who we really are because we're about everyone and there's room for more people. Amen. Stand with me, church. I'd love to pray with you, give you an opportunity just to pray that prayer and then the band are gonna come. And we're gonna we're gonna sing some more. So let's pray with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're in this place today and you just feel like today is your moment. You wanna come home and you wanna pray that prayer and you wanna ask Jesus into your life. Well, if that's you, while no one's looking around, would you just pray these words that I'm about to say in your heart after me? And then we're gonna sing. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. God, with what I feel about my life in my open palm in front of me. God, you see me and you know me. And Lord, I wanna say that today, I wanna get to know you in a new way. I want you to make your home in my heart. I want you to come and live in me. I wanna say, God, that I'm sorry for what I've done wrong, for all the things I've done that make me far away from you. God, I want you to forgive me. I want you to heal me. 
I want you to bless me and I want to say that forever I want to live telling other people about what's happening right now in my life because this is my story. In the name of Jesus I ask, Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.